Okay. Hey, everyone. Welcome to our After Sunday podcast. Uh, and my name is uh, Corey Alsett. I'm the worship pastor here at North Atlantic Community Church. And as always, I am here with the formidable <laughs> Matthew Price. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Are you intimidated today, Corey? I feel super intimidated. Because we're going to be talking about the law. Uh-oh. We're going to be talking about the Sabbath. Mm. <clears throat> so are you ready? Yes. I'm Man, I was born ready. Mm. And everyone, I want everyone to know that today is Corey's birthday. No. <laughs> How old are you today, Corey? Uh, you know... I'd rather... I had a friend who would never tell people his age because he was over like... <laughs> sorry. I'm going to tell you how old I am. You guess. How old do you think I am? I think you are 46 today. You're right. 46 years Seriously? old. Seriously? Yeah. Yeah. Perfectly. Nailed it. Yeah. 46 years. 46 years ago today, Vancouver, BC, Marty Alstead gave birth to a screaming little Corey. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Vancouver You're going to want to edit that out. Yeah, no. <laughs> no way. I'm not ashamed of that. Were you born in Vancouver? Yeah. Born in Vancouver, and then we moved to Fort St. James, BC, uh, where, where I lived for about six years. Fort St. James, BC. Uh, I tell you who who knows where that is. Never Michelle Renault knows where that is, and Kevin Clausen knows where that is. It's near Prince George, near Vanderhoof. Um, it's kind of like what is it? Central, heading up towards North BC, Northern BC. Lived there for six, seven years, and then we moved to Brownfield, Alberta, little teeny little country town in Alberta. I loved it so much. I lived there from about eight to twelve, and it was like, dude, you're a small town kid. I'm a small town kid at heart. Seriously, so good. Anyways, Brownfield, Alberta. If anyone here knows of Brownfield, Alberta, I would love to hear from you. Seriously, because no one ever knows where Brownfield is. <laughs> and then we moved to Winnipeg. And anyways, I don't need to give you my whole life story, but yeah, yeah. So forty six years old. That's right. great. Nineteen seventy four. Nineteen seventy four. Yeah, it's been it's been good. It's yeah. been a good, uh, been a good birthday, and it's been a good, um, a good year. Looking forward to this next one. Well, we thank you for being born. Mm. We are all the better. <laughs> We're all the better for it. Oh, really? Yeah. Like in what way? In so many ways. But I'm going to go ahead and start the <laughs> okay. podcast. Let's do it. All right. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> so um, uh, this last Sunday we ch- chatted about Sabbath, and it's we're kind of week two into. Uh, our Ten Commandments, like we're in uh, a mini series within our series on the Ten Commandments. Yeah. And I think one could begin to wonder, what on earth are we doing working through all of these laws? Like, mm. what is the point? Right. And, um, you know, last week we spent time chatting about racism in the Bible. So we haven't really had a chance to tackle the law and the yeah. purpose of the law and and how we see the law. Um, in and through Jesus. Mm-hmm. So I thought it'd be good to just spend some time there. This, this topic is a little bit longer than, than uh, what you can fit into a sermon. Right, yeah. Because uh, my sermons are apparently already way too long, according to the worship pastor. <laughs> we still haven't done that poll. No, we still haven't done the poll. The, I think, yeah, no, I think there's, there, yeah, totally, we need to do the poll, but I bet you, I, yeah, I feel like no, I'm not going to say anything. Yeah, totally. We should do that poll. <laughs> but um, yeah, for sure. So anyway, minutes, hey. I, I feel like I just need more time to kind of unpack this. So hopefully this is helpful to people who have been wondering how to read the law. So you might be asking, aren't there teachings from God's law that we no longer follow? Mm-hmm. Aren't we being hypocritical to follow some laws and not others? And I brought some of this up during the love series uh, when we were looking at... Yeah. Um, same-sex marriage in Leviticus, right? And so it's kind of like, well, why would we follow that and not other laws? So Leviticus 19, don't wear clothes that are a mixture of wool and cotton. Mm -hmm, Never do. Looks like you've got 100% cotton (laughs) tee on. (laughs) Um, 
Exodus 23, don't boil a baby goat in its mother's milk. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Corey took a sip of water right when I said that one. That's right. That was my birthday dinner. <laughs> Leviticus 11, don't eat an owl. <laughs> Those are real Shoot. laws. Man, I'm getting, yeah. No, yeah, totally. I mean, I don't think there's a lot of owl eating anyway. No, it's not. It's uh, In certain parts of uh, England, I think they do eat owls quite a bit, but uh, <laughs> I just made that up. I think I've had way too much coffee today, by the way, just so you know. I'm recognizing little red flags that are going off and be like, Corey, stop talking. <laughs> don't say that. Yeah. So there's stuff like that, right? Like mixture of wool and cotton, boiling baby goats, and eating owls. So it's kind of like, why, what is the deal with the Old Testament law? So yeah. Jesus shows up on the scene. Mm-hmm. Matthew five seventeen, and I shared this on Sunday, but he says, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. And mm-hmm. that kind of then becomes the question, what does that mean? Is he saying that all the law is important uh, and it you should follow it exactly the way you read it on the page? Or does fulfill mean something a little bit different? Mm-hmm. Like my life and teachings, they fulfill the law. So before I go on, fulfill the law. Corey, I'm going to put you on the spot. Uh Uh-oh. What does that mean? Hmm. Yeah, I guess it's true. I haven't actually spent a lot of time thinking about what that specifically means, but I guess I would, if off, off the top of my head, it does seem as though Jesus embodies the new Israel in a lot of ways, right? And he becomes kind of like... So in a sense, it's like he is, and again, I don't, yeah, as always, I never, I'm, I'm so not an either or, or black and white kind of person, but, but it seems like, I guess I would assume that it's like he is saying that it's like, hey, this was, I am now who you look to. I am the, it's not, it's, I was going to say I am the new law, but that's not necessarily a good way of putting it, but it's almost like Jesus is taking um, all of what Israel was working towards and he has kind of become yeah, I guess the new and redeemed and perfect Israel that was always part of the dream, right? It yeah. was always part of the plan. Right. But that doesn't actually totally answer the question because then it's like, okay, so how does he fulfill? Like, so what does that mean practically for us, right? That's right. The, that's the next part of the question that I'm not as sure about. No, but I feel like you're nailing it. Specifically, yeah, okay. That's, that, that's, that's awesome. Like, I feel like a lot of Christians are just kind of going, well, like when I come across a passage like the Sabbath, it's like, okay, fine. You know, I'm just going to, I'm going to ignore some of those owl verses and mixture of cloth and, you know, but clearly I need to follow the Sabbath because it's one of the Ten Commandments. And so how to, what does that mean that Mm -hmm. Jesus fulfills the law? So I feel like they get caught, but I think you're on, I would say, I feel like you're on the right track uh, Mm. in terms of Jesus fulfilling it. So um, I, I feel like it's really important for us to say focus on Jesus and his followers in the New Testament. And I think when we do, we find this, that Jesus fulfills everything. Now, while he doesn't abolish things, a lot of things become signposts and shadows of what was to come. Hmm. But they are not the reality because we have the reality before us, capital R, Jesus. Yeah. And so he fulfills everything. And I'm just going to give you like a tip of the iceberg, but like, so... In Israel, you had high priests. Well, he now becomes the high priest. Hmm. In Israel, you have the lamb that was slain. Jesus becomes that lamb. Uh, No more need for any more lambs, right? Right, There's no more need for any other high priests. Um, The temple, you used to have a temple 
or a tabernacle. Well, then all of a sudden, John 1 says we have a walking around tabernacle mm. that Jesus tabernacled with us. And in his own body, he, he speaks of destroying the temple, but rebuilding it in three days. He's talking about his own life. Mm-hmm. So he's the high priest. He's the lamb that was slain. He is the temple. He's the walking around tabernacle. Um, go with him to 40 days in the wilderness, right? He's literally recapitulating the story of Israel 40 right. years mm-hmm. in the wilderness. Right. So Jesus, 40 days, Israel, 40, 40 years. He's becoming, to your point, a faithful Israel. Um, he's the servant in Isaiah. He's the true prophet from Deuteronomy. He's a new Adam. He's a new Noah. He's a new Abraham. He's a new Isaac, a new Jacob, a new Moses, a new Jonah, a new Elisha. Like mm-hmm. you can go on and on. Like if you look at all of their lives, he becomes they were a shadow, they were a signpost, they were an appetizer. But when we have Christ, it's fullness um, and the fulfillment of all of these people and roles and things. So he's, so one of those, like I'll just give you an example, is he's the new and true David. So David is the anointed one, but Jesus shows up being the anointed one, the capital A anointed one, the Messiah. Mm -hmm. And And so I feel like that is the lens that we have to read the New Testament through. So when he fulfills the Torah, then he becomes the true Sabbath, the true fulfillment of the Sabbath. Mm, mm, Um, And so he says, don't think I've come to abolish the law. So he's not throwing it out. He's like the law was good for its purpose, but it was always pointing forward to Jesus. So I've not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law and the prophets. He says there, the law and the prophets. So my point here is that Jesus, um, who embodies the entire story of Israel, is the fulfillment of the Sabbath. Hmm. Like in his own body and life and teachings, he fulfills the Sabbath. So Exodus 28, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. That is fulfilled in Jesus. Now, hmm. I, I'm just going to talk a little bit about that, about what Sabbath is, just as a little recap. Okay. okay? Sure. So Sabbath, the word Shabbat just means stop. If you listen to the sermon on Sunday, you just know it just means a day to stop. It's a 24-hour period to stop. But so how is it that Jesus fulfills the Sabbath? Well, in Jesus, and this is super cool. Mm -hmm. Like, I love this. So he dies right before sunset on Friday. Right. Then the Sabbath begins. And what does he do? He rests like God rested on the seventh day. Like Jesus is resting on day seven, like God the Father rested at creation. Mm. Like, first of all, I think that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and at the end of day six on the cross, he says, it's finished, right? Which is what God says, right? Mm-hmm. He s- sees it all. He says it's very good, but he completes it all on day six, all creation on day six. So Jesus lives his whole life, does all of his teachings, dies on the cross, and on day six, he says what his father said at creation. And then both of them, at creation and at the cross, they enter into a day seven rest. Hmm. And it's at that point that Jesus uh, establishes the new world. So he right. wakes up on day one. He wakes up on Sunday morning. This is day one of a new creation, mm-hmm. brand new creation. And it's amazing. He's in a garden. Just like Eden, he's in a garden and he's walking around and, uh, people think he's the gardener. 
Right. Right. He's confused for the gardener. Mm-hmm. Is he the gardener? He's the gardener. He's right. the gardener of a new creation. Right. Mm. So, so there, there's just this powerful picture of Jesus being the fulfillment of the Sabbath. Um, so that in Jesus, he offers us life and rest and freedom and access to God. Because of the empty tomb, we have access to God. We can now come back into the garden, as it were. Um, we've been expelled from the Garden of Eden, but now we're welcomed back into the garden, into the new creation. This is what N.T. Wright is all about. Yeah, yeah. Into the garden, into God's very presence. Mm. So we no longer need a 24-hour period, as it were, to practice uh, as law, mm-hmm. we have the fulfillment of the Sabbath in Jesus. Right. Okay. What do you think? So cool. Yeah, I yeah. love it. It's beautiful. I guess, and obviously, you're going to get to the point of mm-hmm. if we ended it there, then it's like, oh, good. Okay, awesome. You know, then we yeah, right. Good. But of course, um, one one little rabbit trail question we don't need yeah, to go yeah, down it yeah. is um, the uh, the the provocative and interesting little passage there in is it First Peter where he talks about Jesus going and preaching to the, yes. the sinners in hell, right? Yes. So maybe he wasn't resting the whole time. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> no, it depends on your but, Christian yeah, tradition. Right, right, yeah, yeah. exactly. And, and it, of course, it's the way, as I was thinking about it, it's like, um, you're kind of thinking to yourself, well, it's like, I mean, it depends on how you look at um, rest too, right? Like his body was resting. Like, you know, how does that all work? And there's sure. a lot of mystery attached to that, but yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, interesting. But anyways, no, I think Very that's a beautiful. And all those, I, yeah, I think N.T. Wright, and you you definitely touch in on this a lot. Like there's so many beautiful, uh, beautiful poetic and artistic pictures in scripture, right? Like you think yes. about like the gardener and the, yeah, the first day of, you know, new creation and like, yeah, yeah. he's the guard back in Eden. And I'm like, there's a lot of that, right? And it's yeah. like, you could be like, and I feel like there's been so many, I think at first when I'd hear some of that I, with N.T. Wright, I'd be like, well, okay, that's cool, but it may be a stretch. Like, you know, yeah. but I'm like, man, there are so many. So I'm like, yes. maybe it's not a stretch. Like, maybe this is actually like all part of God's creative and artistic plan. Yes. You know? Yes. Beautiful. Yeah, love 100%. it. 100%. Yeah, it. yeah, totally. And I, I, I totally agree. I, I, think, I think when we think about the power of Jesus showing up, I really liked the image that Tim Mackey uses um, – on uh, on the Bible project and and I shared this on Sunday but he talks about the lamp versus the sun so the yeah, yeah, right, the right. Sabbath was always like a lamp mm-hmm. so you're in the dark and you, you need to use this lamp but when the sun comes it's like oh like I don't need this lamp anymore like this lamp served its purpose mm. so it's not that the lamp is wrong but the fulfillment so Jesus is not coming to abolish your little lamp Right, right, totally. <laughs> to right. mix the metaphor or whatever. Mm-hmm. He's not coming to abolish the lamp. The lamp is good, but the lamp was always pointing to the sun right. coming. Yeah. And now that the sun is here, you don't have to use your lamp, as it were. Right. Um, and I thought that was a helpful image. Um, the Sabbath is great. It is good. But yeah. Jesus, the Sabbath, the perfect perfect Sabbath keeper in whom we experience Sabbath delight is has shown up. Yes. So Paul's pretty adamant. Um, he's pretty adamant, like, um, uh, about, about people who would require you to follow a 24 hour day, right? Right. right? Like yeah. he's pretty adamant. Do not listen to those people. They are not, you know, and, and that's what I wanted to avoid yesterday. Totally. Um, I still think practicing Sabbath is important, <laughs> but it's all I needed to say yesterday or two days ago, whatever day yes, it was so, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that it, that you, that the law portion of like you have to you know sundown on friday to sundown on saturday following it legalistically 
that has been done away with. And I think that's what Paul gets at. Like mm. Colossians 2, don't, don't let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival or a new moon celebration or a Sabbath day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. I yes. love that. Yeah, yeah, I love that too. The sun is here. Yeah. You don't need your lamp anymore. Yeah, and I, I like what you said, and you'll probably get to this, but where you said, I forget how you put it, but the idea that it's not like this requirement, it's a gift. It's like, it's this beautiful gift to us, right? right. In a sense, right. like, as opposed to something like, yeah, where it's like, no, no, you have to do this or else, you know, dad's going to be mad, you know, kind of thing. It's like, no, no, this is a gift. This is a, something that actually helps us, helps us in, in so many ways, which I'm sure you're going to talk about, but like, totally. yeah, yeah. Well, that's good. So, so now someone goes, okay, well then like, I just want to say a little bit more about the law because someone might still be going, okay, but it, it's, it's, I still don't buy it, Matthew, because it's still next to, you should have no other idols mm. and you should, sh- shall not kill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, right. Don't covet. Like it's, it's kind of nestled in there with some pretty important laws. Like why right. it's not, it's not there with the owl passage. Right. It's, it's right there um, next to taking the Lord's name in vain. So I, I wanted to just kind of share um, the three general categories that we understand the law has. So the, the law is, there's the moral law, there's the ceremonial law, and there's the civil law. Okay. So when you read the Old Testament, I think you can, you, this is how we, this is, I know this may seem way too simplified, but I think it's a helpful grid. So if you've always been puzzled with how to read the law, think of it in three kind of categories, moral ceremonial and civil. So I just want to quickly walk through this. First of all, think of the ceremonial laws. And I'm going to make the argument that Sabbath is part of this, but ceremonial laws. Laws about the temple and the tabernacle in Israel. These are all laws about how you would enter in a clean way. Hmm. So Leviticus 16.3, this is how Aaron is to enter the most holy place. He must first bring a young bull for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. So people who take the Bible literally, I don't know what you do with this. I think you have a grid in your mind for what you do, right? I think you say this is part of a ceremonial law that has to do with the temple. Right. So me bringing a young bull for a sin offering to church on Sunday morning, don't need to do that anymore. It's no longer binding. Jesus is the great high priest, as I mentioned a moment ago. He's the final lamb. His body is the temple. His blood saves. All of that has been fulfilled in Jesus. So... At the cross, I am made clean because of him. So these ceremonial laws, they're they're good. So Jesus is not like abolishing them. He's just saying they were pointing to me. They're a shadow of the right. things to come. Yep. And they help to point to holiness. And they help to, they're still good. We're not going to get rid of the Old Testament law. That's called antinomianism. And that's mm. a heresy. We don't just get rid of the Old Testament or right. get rid of the law. Um this is important to understand holiness and how God understands sin, but you don't need the ram anymore. Right? Right, you right, have right. Christ. Yeah. So, so really, if you looked at tons of the laws in the Old Testament, we say they because of Christ, he's come to fulfill them. We don't need them anymore. So that's category one, okay. ceremonial laws. Ceremonial, got it. Good so far? Okay, so uh, 
and feel free to push back at any moment. Okay, no, it's good. Number two, civil laws. Civil laws were helpful in Israel to how to understand how to be a nation, how to deal with their land, how to deal with their government, how to handle crime, et cetera. Sure, yeah, I, I should say, sense. et cetera. Et cetera. Somebody once pointed that out, that I said, et cetera. Et cetera. I always do that too. Yeah. Ex, so it's et cetera? It's et cetera. Someone huh. came up after my sermon on Sunday morning and pointed that out. Right. Just like when, when I said both. <laughs> You're like, how about without the L, Corey? Both. <laughs> Corey inserts an L into both. <laughs> both. <laughs> but it's his birthday. He can say both. Yeah, exactly. Wants. That's right. Okay, um, cool. Yeah, civil law. That so makes civil sense. laws. So Leviticus 25 says this, if one of your fellow Israelites becomes poor and sells some of their property... Their nearest relative is to come and redeem what they've sold. Gotcha. Okay. Very simple. But this, see, this, this is a law that has to do with, oh, you have a property, you've got a relative. How do you do redemption? Right, right. What right. it means when you're poor. Like it's, these are not, this has to do with, oh, we actually have land. Right. In Israel. This is, so it's very, you're talking very contextual in particular with this yes. one, right? As well as, I suppose, well, sir, yeah, got it. Yeah, that's good. So the civil law, uh, I don't think are are no lo- they're no longer binding in Jesus. God's people are not an earthly government with land, property, court systems. Jesus has become the fulfillment. He is our inheritance. And this will be a struggle to um, friends of ours who see almost like a two-tiered system that God, that the land of Israel today is still, right, right, right. this is kind of like, this is very controversial, mm-hmm. that the land of Israel is still belongs to the Jewish people. and right. Gotcha. A lot of arguments about what has happened in the 20th century um, mm. uh, for the people of Israel to get that land. It's a very heated argument. Right. Yeah. But I would stand with a Christian tradition that would say that that the land is no longer important. The land, like the law, was a shadow of what was to come. The land right. was a piece of inheritance that is now fulfilled in Jesus becoming king of the whole earth. Right, because gotcha. it's always about the whole earth. Like, so if someone struggles with this, I just want to say, our government is King Jesus. That's the new government. Right. We're not looking for an earthly government to fulfill. You know, our government is the king, and our land is the whole earth. Okay, so just okay. to clarify, because I can imagine some people like, and what you're, I think, what you're not saying. You're not saying that. So in other words, the Canadian government really doesn't matter too much to you. Don't worry. No, about no, it. no. That's not what no, you're saying. No. And am I, would I be right in saying that, that you would argue, as far as the, the conversation about Israel and the land, et cetera, et cetera, that you would, say, you would say that anyone who is in Christ is the new Israel? Is that the idea? Ooh, good question, Corey. Is part of the so new Israel? So I wouldn't use new Israel. Okay. I would say Israel. I think it's, it's one family. I think you and I are part of Israel. Israel, okay. It's one covenant family. We wrestle with God. The Israel of God. What? Sorry, I said we wrestle with God. We wrestle Israel, with God. Right? Yeah. Right. So from the beginning, there's been one covenant line. Mm-hmm. So from a- so the covenant with Abraham. So sorry, covenant with Noah, with yep. all the earth, covenant with Abraham. Yeah. Then with uh, with Moses and the people, with uh, David, King David. But it's all fulfilled in Jesus. So we are all part of the same covenant family. Right. So okay. So rather than Israel and the church, those yeah, categories, yeah, yeah. see it as God's covenant family. God's well, one okay. line of covenant. So, so that, and, and we Gentiles who are non-Jews have been grafted into that storyline. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah. But it's always been by faith, not mm. ethnicity. This is Paul's big point. Yes. Right. Just because you're a Jew doesn't mean that you have an 
immediate end, Paul makes it very clear. It's always by faith, Mm. always by faith and through Christ. So this is how you become part of the covenant family of God. And he says, look at the law. The law was given 400 years after, after Abraham, right? Or hundreds of years after Abraham to Abraham. He says the, you're children of a promise and it's always by faith. And so today it's by faith to Abraham. It was by faith to the people of Israel. It's by faith as they follow Yahweh. Right. It's always been a covenant family by faith. People who say new Israel, uh, that kind of rubs other people the wrong way because it's like, oh, there was Israel, but now the church is the new Israel and the church replaces Israel. And I'm like, it's not so much replace. Mm, right. <laughs> it's that it's that this new Gentile Jewish family is now, is now uh, the covenant people of God. So it's like, but, and there are Jews that are part of that. Right, right, So yeah, it's yeah. not like the church replaces, like Gentiles replace Jews or something gotcha. like that. Right, it's right. like, this is now the covenant family that, mm. that, that moves ahead. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Oh, it's a big topic. Yeah, it's yeah, massive. I like that. Okay, not everyone likes that. I just want to let you know that. that. Okay. Yeah. I want to go on record as saying that I like that. Okay. Okay. (laughs) So therefore, people who understand the Bible this way would say that the land of Israel was always an appetizer, a foretaste. Hmm. Now that land, some people say, well, did did God break his promise? Because that land, God said that was his land. Hmm. It's still his land. And so is the whole earth. Right. Right. God never backed out on that being his, it's suddenly like, not like, oh, the land of Israel is suddenly not the Lord's. Yes, right, no, right, right. that's the Lord's. And if it, the people of Israel are God's p- people by yeah. faith, and so are the Gentiles. Like it's, God never backed down on his promises, but they're fulfilled in Jesus. So anyway, all this to say, the Old Testament prophets knew this was coming. So it, listen to Zechariah 14. On that day, living water will flow out from Jerusalem half of it east to the Dead Sea and half of it west to the Mediterranean Sea in summer and in winter, the Lord will be king over the whole earth. Hmm. On that day, there will be one Lord and his name, the only name. So on the day that living water pours out of Jerusalem, the Lord will be king over the whole earth. What do we see? Jesus stands up and says, living water. Hmm. Come to me, I'll give you living water. The spirit is poured out on Jerusalem. And at this moment, the whole earth belongs to the Lord, hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's the already, not yet, yeah, right? But the whole earth belongs to the Lord. So the Lord will be king over the whole earth. So I guess the point is, the point I'm making is that when it comes to these civil laws, they're about a particular moment in history when there was a particular piece of land <laughs> with a particular government, and that has now been fulfilled in Jesus. Our king and our inheritance is the whole earth. Got it. Okay. okay, so those ceremonial laws, sorry, that was a long way of saying the ceremonial, sorry, the civil, civil laws, laws yeah, about yeah. government land no longer binding. Cool. Yeah. Sorry, that took way too long. That's good though. Yeah, it's, it's, it's helpful. Okay, finally, moral laws. Moral laws are fundamental to human flourishing. They're God's heart for people. Uh, you could argue that the moral laws in scripture are, are timeless. Mm. The punishments of those laws are not necessarily timeless. So if you... Uh, if you, you're supposed to honor your mother and father, and right. if you, let's say, dishonor your mother and father and you're supposed to be stoned to death. Okay, see, the stoning to death is the civil law. Okay. Hmm, interesting. All right. The honoring your parents is the moral law. Gotcha. Okay. So 
uh, yeah, I it's a little complicated, right? So in Israel, how do you do justice and government and policing? And mm-hmm. how do you do that? Well, that's civil, that's civil situation. So someone goes, oh, no, we're honoring your parents. And then they're supposed to stone you if you don't. And they bundle the two together. I'm like, right. well, hold on just a second. The moral law is that you would honor your mother and father, right? Mm, yeah. the, the civil law is how you enact justice in the desert when there's no police force. Right, right, right. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So that's just this, an example. This brings up the our old topic there, violence in the Old Testament. Mm. But we can, that's that's a whole other sure. podcast again one day. But yeah, okay, that makes sense. So you're, right. I see what you're saying. You're saying that the, yeah, the moral law is the actual... The importance of, let's say, obeying your parents. Yeah. Um, but if you break that commandment, suddenly it becomes a, a civil law issue in terms of what the consequences are, yeah. how the authorities or the leadership deals with this. That's right. Okay. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but but the thing is, is that the moral laws are, are also fulfilled in Jesus. See, they're all fulfilled in Jesus, um, but Jesus takes it even deeper. Hmm. So do not murder becomes don't even hate. Right. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's, so he doesn't like do away with the moral law. It's like, oh, that was the, you know, that was the Torah. Don't worry about that. You have me live as you want. Yeah. 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 Be a hippie commune or whatever. I don't know why I just said that. Um, But just like do not murder becomes actually go deeper. Don't even hate. Yes. right, Right. Right. Yeah. So this is the fulfillment of the law. It's like, do not murder is really good. That's a really good law. But I'm telling you, if you backtrack and go deeper into the human heart, it's do not even hate, right? Which is which is important. Don't hate someone in your heart, because Jesus knows that every murder springs from hatred in the heart. Right. So he's like, so yeah. back that up. It's like a magnifying glass, almost. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So in the Sermon on the Mount, we see all of this way in which Jesus takes the moral law and elevates it, and actually says, "My fulfillment of it means I'm going deeper." Hmm. Which is why, going back to our human sexuality series, yeah, is that it's really important. To say, like, Jesus would not have thrown out that view of human sexuality. Like, remember, if anything, he takes it more serious. He goes, even if you look at a woman with lust, mm-hmm. you've committed adultery with her. So all of this, all of God's moral laws in the Old Testament are still binding. But then right. the punishments for them would be more the civil, hmm. the civil okay. law. Okay. So lots of people might be disagreeing with me about a whole host of things here, but this is how I've come to understand yeah, yeah, <laughs> reading the Bible. Good. So... The conclusion I would say then is that um, the Sabbath is categorized more as a ceremonial law. This is up for debate. Some say it's moral. Some say it's ceremonial. Um, it's probably a blend of both, but I'll, I'll explain that in a minute. But when, in Matthew chapter 12, mm-hmm. there's, this, um, there's this amazing story right at the beginning. If someone wants to grab a Bible, they can check it out. But in Matthew 12, if you read it, um, Jesus is walking around with his disciples and all of his disciples go through a field and start eating grain. And the, and the and the Pharisees are like, what are you doing eating grain on the Sabbath? And then Jesus basically, and, and then Jesus heals a man, right? Um, heals his hand on the Sabbath. So when you read Matthew 12, it's this fascinating moment. And Jesus responds to these Pharisees who are like, hey, you're, you're doing things on the Sabbath. And he says this, he says, first of all, David, King David and his friends, they ate when they were hungry. So, uh, also, priests in the temple worked on the Sabbath. And number three, uh, the healing of the man. So if you put those together, Jesus is saying, first of all, you have a moral obligation to those who are hungry. Hmm. So right. Sabbath is not more important than people who are hungry. Number two, you have a moral obligation to, to worship the Lord. Hmm. So the Sabbath is not more important than worshiping the Lord. 
And number three, you have a moral obligation to heal the sick. The Sabbath is not more important than healing the sick. Right. So Jesus is saying that this ceremonial law, as it were, is, is not as important as the moral obligation to the hungry, to worship, to heal the sick. So, and then Jesus says, I tell you that someone greater than the temple is here talking hmm. about himself. And then he says, for the son of man is Lord of the Sabbath. So this is why I would say ceremonial law. Jesus is saying, listen, I have come and I am now Lord of the Sabbath. And I am much more concerned with feeding the hungry, the obligation to worship and healing sick people than I am following some 24 hour rule. Hmm. Right. This right, is right. my interpretation of Jesus. <laughs> and so, um, and so I would say that is Sabbath a rule we must follow? No, you don't need the lamp when the sun is here. But keeping the Sabbath becomes a wonderful thing to do. While we don't have to do it, why would we not practice this rhythm mm. that allows us to enjoy God and others? So I would say it's a beautiful tool mm -hmm. um, that continues to point us to the new heavens and new earth one day when God will restore all creation. But so it's not, it's no longer like law. You have to do this, but why would you not do this? Because, and this is a point pastor Tim had, and this is one of my last points for today, but he just said, if you truly care about what the Sabbath was about, the Sabbath was about a day of worship, a day and seven days, seven years, seven times 70. There was this year of Jubilee where you would cancel debts, Mm -hmm. All of Israel's life was patterned in these sevens. Yep. And these sevens were all about forgiveness and mm. releasing people from debt and enjoying God's presence mm. and, and having an obligation to care for the poor. So sure, you don't have to follow a 24-hour thing, but you should be all about the poor. Right. You should be all about justice. Mm -hmm. You should be all about the forgiveness of debts. You shouldn't just go, oh, I don't need to follow that 24-hour period. Um, you, sh you should have a heart for release of debt. Mm -hmm. So I guess what I'm saying is some people would say, oh, I follow the Sabbath because it's just a, a fun way to kind of drink a coffee and put my feet up and mm -hmm. enjoy. And I think rest is part of that. And I said that on the sermon, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. But I think Pastor Tim made a really good point. Don't just be like, oh, it's a, just a great way to have a great weekend. Mm -hmm. It is right, that. Right. Yes. It yeah. is that. But, so but if you more. really care about the Sabbath, then you'll care about justice. You'll care about feeding the poor. You'll care about the eternal rest that God has provided mm -hmm. his people. Sorry. So it's good. There you go. That's, that's, those are my thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. Yeah. It's interesting. I, um, I was thinking about I was thinking about Sabbath and I, yeah, it makes a lot of sense to me that it, it, it being a gift that is offered to us. And I think what I, one of the things that I love about as I get older, I think more and more I'm seeing just the practical, I've talked to you about this before, but the practical value of the gospel Yeah. and how I think maybe when I grew up, I was always thinking it's like, it's on like a different level. It's like spiritual stuff. You know what I mean? But yeah. of course we, we know it's like, well, no, no, it's, this is incarnational. It's everything. It's, it's holistic. It's, it affects all of our lives and, and I think about the Sabbath, I feel like it's in, in an age when we, when we are, there's so much emotional turmoil, right? We know yeah. this, we know that mental health is, um, is definitely, uh, you know, there's all sorts of new highs that are happening as far as statistics go and stuff, anxiety and depression. And I feel like this is yet another example of where um, the good gifts of God and say the laws of God are actually 
so helpful to us, right? And are actually totally. so important for us. And I was thinking for myself, we were talking about earlier about my own experience with the Sabbath, and I, I definitely don't, I don't practice the Sabbath regularly enough. I have, and I, and then I, you know, I slip off the wagon, or I, you know, and I do in smaller bits, you know, which I feel like is the easy cop out in some ways because you're like, well, I did for an afternoon, I didn't do. But again, thankfully, it's again, it's one of those things where you don't want to get too hung up on, as you're saying, as this like, oh my goodness, I need to carry a whole bunch of guilt about this. But man, whenever I have done it, I have benefited so much from it. And I think it's like, for me, one of the things that has been so helpful about it is, I remember Rob Thiessen back in the day, I remember he was talking about, it's kind of a funny thing to remember, but how the rain, sometimes when the rain comes after it's been sunny for a long time, it's like it, it cleans the air. Like it's all mm. like, you know, the, the rain and then the, yeah. and the mountains are like crystal clear, right? You're driving over the, I always drive over the, the, uh, the 208, the overpass there, you know, yeah. and you see those, the golden years and it's like, oh, it's gorgeous, just cl- crystal clear. And I just remember that, that phrase cleaning the air. And I think in some ways I feel like that's what I've experienced when I have Sabbath is that it's like, it's like all the clutter and things that are going on. Like when you, when you stop, yeah. right? like you talk about when you rest, when you take the time to focus on the Lord and you're taking the time to just be still a little bit to, for me, it's going for, I love going for walks, but going for a quiet walk or mm-hmm. listening to music or reading the Bible, or, you know, whatever it is. Like it's, it is kind of like that. That's my experience. Yeah. Where it's like the air is being cleared a little bit. The air is being cleaned a little bit. I love that. And image. yeah. And you walk away and you're like, oh, things are just a little more crystal clear and I feel yeah. refreshed and I feel like some of the clutter has been cleared out. I can start again. I don't know, you know, all those kinds of thoughts that, totally. so that's been something that I, this has been good. Even the message uh, after Sunday, I'm like, okay, Corey, you got to get back into this because this is so helpful, so important. Yeah. And it's just a gift. It's it's a, a good father wants to give his children good gifts. And this Absolutely. is a great gift. Yeah, I like Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And did you like that image that Mark Buchanan used of a tuning fork? Oh, beauty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I really, I really love that image. That was beautiful. Cool. Man, yeah, that quote I actually was going to, I watched it. I was watching it uh, on on YouTube. I was going to screenshot it actually, but um, yeah. How did he? It it tunes all of our days, or what? So we can sing. I forget all our days it's, can sing, or it's something. like a tuning fork. And so when this one day's on tune, it it makes the your rest of your days yeah. sing on tune. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah. good. I love that. Beautiful. Yeah, I I I definitely would. It's this is one of those tricky. So the Sabbath, I would just say, let's take delight in if you if. This is how this this is the thought to end it. <laughs> if you desire to practice a twenty four hour Sabbath, do it, enjoy it, mm-hmm. experience the rest of God. I think you will find that that rhythm will allow you to open up your life to God, to experience His rest, to slow down, to tune in to what He's doing in the world. Mm-hmm. But I would say, let that one day serve as a beautiful reminder to practice the larger picture mm-hmm. of release of debt mm. and forgiving your brother and almost like a day to reset and make things right relationally, mm. make things right with your employees, treat right. them well, yeah. make things right with those that owe you like forgive. Well, like it's like, yes, rest, mm-hmm. <laughs> have yeah. a good nap, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah. read the Bible. So good. But I hope that that day, will tune you, as it were, be a tuning fork that will allow you to love your neighbor better and be a person of justice in a, bit, a better totally. way. So I feel like it's that double thing. And I was really appreciative of Tim to, to point yeah. that out. So Don't you think that, like, I well, one last thing, like, it's funny because I feel as though, for me at least, what often happens, the way it works 
is I don't think about it as like, when you say that, it's funny. Cause just being honest, like I hear that I'm like, okay, that sounds like more Christian work. Now I know it, you know, hear me, hear me in the right way. Like, I don't mean that in a bad way, but in terms of the order of things for me, how it often works, that is when I, when I do stop and when I do rest and when I do spend time with the Lord, like my perspective shifts, like that's the thing is that my perspective shifts and I suddenly realize who I'm not, which is super important for me. Yes. Really important. I loved what you said about uh, the protest against uh, that. I I am not what I do. You know, that was great. And I'm like, that's one of the things that it really does for me is that it's like, oh yeah, Corey, you are so small. (laughs) You're very small (laughs) in God's big world. And God is so big. And so then, sorry, and this is just hear me out. Like what I'm saying is that, so for me, when that happens is that often that's actually when I'm like, you know what, Corey, like, why don't you just drop it? Like, that's really dumb that you're, you're holding on to that thing with with what's his name. You know what I mean? Or you're, or that you're like, did you really need to talk to Sherry? Like, did you really need to say that to Sherry or to, you know, Ruby and like, totally like, cause it's like, as opposed to like, okay, I got it. Here's my checklist. And I know you're not saying that, but no. I think it's too easy to go into it being like, okay, so I got to, all right, my goal here, the goal is to, by the end of tomorrow that I'm going to, you know, and then it's like, okay, I think you've, I feel like I'd be missing the point to do that. As opposed to, it's like, I'm going to stop and rest and be reminded about who I am, who I'm not, who God is. Mm-hmm. Um, and that will actually direct me towards all of these good things. I think that nails it on the head. Because I think like what you're saying is, this is how I'd say it in my language is like, you take a day and you, it's like you experience the goodness of the garden of Eden again. It's like, oh, I'm near God. Mm-hmm. I'm near yes. others. Yeah. But all of a sudden it points out the places where you're like, oh, yeah. oh if I'm near God, oh, I've got the sin stuff I got to deal with. Yeah. Yeah. Why did I <laughs> I'm do I'm so yeah, yeah. sorry, Lord mm-hmm. for that. Or, oh, I'm enjoying the goodness of, of Eden. And I realize I have something between me and a brother. Mm-hmm. Where I'm treating someone poorly, and all of a sudden you're just—it's like you're standing in the garden with God, and you're yeah. going, "Oh my word, I'm totally treating that person so poorly. Mm-hmm. I need to forgive them, and I need to, yeah." So it's like, it's like this day high—it just—it's doing what you said about the rain. It suddenly clears your mm-hmm. world up, and now you see how you should love your neighbor and love God in a deeper way, totally, while enjoying it. Yeah, yeah, I love that. <laughs> and uh, and you can only do that when you step away. And trust God with your field <laughs> or trust God with your work or trust God with your email inbox and yeah. go, yeah. I'm not going to, I'm not doing that. Yeah. I got to, I got to just let God speak to me. Anyway. I like that. Yeah. That's really good. Um, cool, man. That's okay. good. There's lots of good things to be thinking about here. For yes. Sure. Good. Hey man, happy birthday. Thank you so much, everybody. Thank you for, thank you so much, everyone, for your birthday wishes. To, f- to 46 more years. <laughs> 46, yeah, that's right. Eh? He'll be 92? a 92-year-old Corey walking around with his cane. <gasps> everybody, we're gonna, let's <laughs> sing Good, Good Father. Everyone's like, oh, that Corey, that song is literally 52 years old. <laughs> I don't care. Yeah, and no one will have the heart to like get me off the stage or anything. I'll just be like, nope. Okay. <laughs> when my when my grandpa passed away, this is a sad story. Okay. But uh but uh, the la- the lady who was in charge of the old folks home, mm-hmm. she like loved my grandpa. Mm-hmm. And so she decided to whistle whistle a musical number for my grandpa at his <laughs> oh, funeral. Yeah. But it was a, f- a little funeral at the old folks home, mm-hmm. but she said it in her southern accent. Oh yeah. And she was like and she loved uh, his eyes on the sparrow. Oh yeah. Whatever. She said my grandpa's name was Paris Price. And she's like we all miss Paris and we love him so much. And so what I'm going to do today is I'm going to whistle y'all a special. 
And so then she started whistling his eyes on the sparrow. <laughs> so we just sat there through her whistling. And we're like, oh, she loved my grandpa. Oh. Hey, fun like, fact. that's what you're going to do. Okay. That's, no, now that reminded me. Sorry, I just almost interrupted your story about your grandfather's no way. man alive. Um, when I was a kid, I told you about Brownfield, Alberta, and Alberta. Yeah. We went to Coronation, Alberta. Coronation is, maybe some people know where Coronation is. It's like 15 miles away. Can I and just say Coronation sounds way nicer than Brownfield. I know. <laughs> There's a reason why people don't know about Brownfield. Exactly. It has a population of 26, <laughs> like literally 26. <laughs> Anyways, my dad was a pastor there in a little church. But uh, but I went to Coronation one, one day with my family, and we saw the world's greatest whistler. Seriously, there's it was no a way. Thing. Yes, there's no did. way that's a thing. It's a thing. We, I think we paid good money for those tickets. He no. was amazing. <laughs> even better, like even better than that, if you can believe it. Really? Anyways, yeah. So sorry, we totally digressed here. I bet you people have already tuned out. We better end this podcast. We better end this podcast. Okay. So good. God Everybody, bless you all. We God love you. you all. Yep. Enjoy Sabbath rest. Yes. Okay, and we will talk to you soon. Goodbye.